Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We have to know that we have to abide. Somebody say abide. Abide in Jesus. We've got to dwell in Jesus. We've got to live in Jesus. So the source of using those gifts comes down to how are we abiding in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so today we're going to be talking about that from John chapter 15. And uh, just want to read the definition of abide before we, we read this. Um, the definition of abide means to live or dwell or stay put. So when you hear the word abide here in John 15, think of it as to live, to dwell, or to stay put. You know, abiding is a, a, a it's really a, a simple truth that we want to convey today that I believe that for whatever reason we struggle with, that if we would just take this simple truth and plant it into our heart, that somebody will walk out of here differently. I believe that today. Because when it comes to abiding, I know that I struggle with it, and I would just contend that probably many of us in this room do as well. It's, it's like these spiritual principles that mean everything, and yet we struggle with them. And so, um, man, I was really struggling with just abiding, dwelling, living, just staying put in Jesus this last week. Anybody kind of in that? You don't? Okay, a couple hands, some honest folk out there. I was struggling, and, and so we, Christy and I teach a life group on Wednesday night. And uh, part of our life group is that at the end of every group, you have to pick a spiritual formation exercise, all right? So it's like, here's what we studied, now what are you going to do about it? So um, there's a list of like seven, eight spiritual formation exercises, and, and I knew that I was getting ready to preach on abiding and just being in the presence of God and staying put, and I just, I don't do well at staying put. Anybody out there not do well at staying put? Man, I've constantly got stuff running through my mind, I'm like, right, all over the place. Just always feel like I'm running crazy. And, and, and so I'm like, you know what? One of the spiritual formation exercises was this week, practice patience. I was like that. I'm going to do that. And here's what it said. Here's how you need to do it. Get into the slow lane and just stay behind everybody. I'm like, that goes against every being part of my nature. Do you guys, anybody out there like that? Another one, another, <laughs> every hand goes, oh, that's totally me. Another one was um, get into the longest line at the grocery store and just be patient. I'm like, that's sin. That is sin to the core, right? And so I, I'm like, no, I'm going to take this on because I'm horrible at it. I'm going to take this on. And uh, Wednesday, Wednesday was life group. And I, we go and pick up our kids here at the church afterwards after the kids' activities. And I'm going to tell you, the minute that I walked out of the door and got in my car, I failed. I'm just saying I got in my car, I was blowing through our neighborhood, probably going 90 or whatever, right? And I'm, I think somebody flipped me off, I'm pretty sure, all right? I, I just, I didn't have patience. I'm on the road, I'm trying to get places. The entire week was the antithesis of what I tried to do, okay? Instead of being patient, I was the most impatient person in my life. And I'm like, Lord, why am I so impatient? And knowing that I was gonna be preaching on abiding, he goes, because you're not dwelling in me because you're not living in me and because you're not staying put in me. And I'm telling you, man, church, it, it wrecked me inside. I had this desire to go, man, I'm gonna do this spiritual formation exercise. I'm not a patient person, but I'm gonna do it. And from the first moment I walked out of the door, it became about what I needed to do quickly, right? Not abiding in Jesus. 
And so when you hear this word abide in John 15 today, I hope that we take action in that. If you guys, your Bibles, John 15, one through eight, Jesus says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more, that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I've given to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove yourself to be my disciples. Listen, church, somebody needs to underline verse eight because what he said through the whole process of abiding, listen to what he says again, I'm gonna read it. Because when we abide in Jesus and his word abides in us and there's this connection of dwelling, staying together, staying put, when there's an abiding that happens between us and Jesus, he says, by this my father is glorified. Our ultimate goal as the church, our ultimate goal as the body of Christ is to glorify Jesus Christ, amen? Our ultimate goal is to glorify the Father. We want to glorify Jesus. We want to glorify the Father. And Jesus literally says that when we abide in him, we glorify the Father and that we bear much fruit. The result of simply being connected in Jesus, dwelling in him, living in him, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute, is that God is glorified and the natural thing that happens is that fruit is produced in our life. It's not what we're doing or trying or trying to do or I'm going to work really hard at. It's just simply that I put myself and dwell in Jesus and fruit happens and God's glorified. And yet we, we overcomplicate this thing. I told you this is a spiritual principle that's simple, simple, and yet we overcomplicate. We're like, yeah, 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 that's good. But I've also got to whatever, Right? And, and, and so for me, to, I believe this is foundational. So we're, we're in this red letter series and we've been talking about all the things that Jesus has said from John 13 to, to, to John 16 is where we're gonna go to. And yet out of all the things that we've talked about, serving and, 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 and peace and all these things, all these things hinge on this identity of do we abide in Jesus? Do we abide in Jesus? It's one of the most simple yet critical pieces to the Christian life. If the branches abide in the vine, good things are produced. (laughs) If those branches don't, they wither away. And so we're gonna attack this today and I wanna just share something with you. When we talk about abide, the word abide is a verb, amen? It's a verb. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It's, it's a verb because it means to stay. There's an active thing that happens in your life to stay in a given place, relation, expectancy. It's an active dwelling, enduring, to be present, actively present, to remain. It is active. It's not a passive thing. To dwell or to, to abide is to be active in this thing. Abiding in Christ is not just a feeling that you have. Like, I, I kind of feel it, Right? Abiding in Christ is not just a belief that you have in your mind. 
It's not just, I know Jesus came in when I was 10 years old because I gave my life to him at vacation Bible school. That's not what it means to abide. It's not just a feeling. It's not just, it's not just a belief as something we do. What it is, is it's an active thing that happens. And we're gonna talk about some of those active things that we do because it's critical when we look at it to the parallel scripture that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28, 20, which is the Great Commission. He says, I'm sending you out to go and make disciples, Right? I'm sending you out to go and make disciples that you would baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he, then he goes, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And look at the second part. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So for us, our goal is then to make disciples. And are we doing that in our own strength? No, Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There was never a time where Jesus left planet earth to go and be with the father. And he says, I'm leaving you alone to produce fruit. It does not happen. Amen, church. You can't do it. You can't do it. No matter how hard you try, you cannot do it. And so in John 15, Jesus is painting a picture with his disciples of something that I believe is very profound that he's trying to get through to them. And that is he's been teaching them for three years, spending time with them, modeling, training the future of this church leadership that's gonna happen. And he wanted to, them to know, look, all of the miracles that you do, all of the cool things that you do, all of the things, signs and wonders that are gonna happen through you, all of those things that you do are great. And yes, people are gonna go, man, man, I want Jesus because of the way that you heal the broken, the way that you take people in, the way that you feed the hungry, all of those things are gonna be awesome. But all of it hinges on a deep-seated, intimate relationship with you abiding in me. You do miracles all day long, but if you're not abiding in me, it means nothing. And so this church to me is profound. And what I see here is, you know, Jesus this, this, this is kind of 48 hours before Jesus is crucified, put on a cross, crucified, put in the tomb, and then raised from the dead. And so he's just finished washing his disciples' feet. And um, I just believe that he's got this thing where he's telling them, like, I'm getting ready to go. Just need you to know I'm getting ready to go. And it's just not resonating with them quite yet. You know, they're still struggling through that. And so they get up from the table. They walk outside. And I just, in my mind, I picture like this is a region that's got vineyards everywhere, right? So you're constantly walking through vineyards and whatnot. And I picture he's walking through these vineyards and he stops. And Jesus is the master illustrator. He looks over and he's like, ah, there it is. This is how they're going to get it. And he looks, he says, come over here, guys. I want to show you. You've, you've seen vines and you've seen the branches that come off the vines that produce grapes, right? And they're like, yeah, Jesus, like, we're not stupid, right? And Jesus says, in this moment, let me share something with you that's profound, that sounds really elementary, but you need to get this. I'm, I'm this vine right here. The thing that's coming from the ground, the thing that's in the, in the dirt, that's getting the nutrient, that's me. You are this branch right here that's got grape clusters on it. They're like, yeah, Right? And then that gardener over there that's tending to that section, that's my father. And Jesus is pointing something. He's saying, look, he's saying, as the vine and the branches stay connected together, there's something profound that's happening where fruit is just being produced as a result. And then he brings in the gardener here in just a minute, which we're going to talk about. So this is important. This is important because, and I don't know about you guys, but am, am I the only one at times who feels like the Christian life can be exhausting? Come on now. Come, raise your hands. Let's go. 
I'm just telling you right now, I've been a believer for quite a while since I was really a sophomore in high school. Grew up in the church my, my whole life, a sophomore in college. Grew up in the church, left the church, you know, kind of abandoned the faith thing and then came back. But, but really, truly, from the time I turned 20, 21, man, I was like, I'm sold out for you, Lord. So I've been a believer for quite a while. I've been in, been in ministry for over 18 years. And I'm gonna tell you right now, church, I feel like the Christian life can be exhausting at times. I feel like there are days and weeks where I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels, where I'm not thriving, I'm surviving. And, and, and then, you know, in, in ministry, you're like, but what if people know, you know, kind of a thing. Well, you know, all right. And so I feel like then when, when, when something happens or I mess it up or I miss the mark, then I feel the shame and the guilt that just kind of crushes you. Anybody? Come on now. Amen. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, God, why is this happening? And I'm spinning my wheels asking, why is this kind of this cyclical process where, man, God, you did great things. God, you did great things, right? Where I just, I'm just like, God, why am I just spiritually exhausted? And here's the deal, man. I realized that what's leading to my spiritual exhaustion is when I forget that I'm the branch and not the vine. (laughs) That, that I'm the branch and I'm trying to act like the vine. You see, you see, church, I'm not playing my part. I'm not doing my role. Jesus has one vine, that's him. He doesn't need 300 vines, amen? He has one vine, he has many branches. This is a big deal in our life with Christ. And I believe Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. Now look, you, you all know, some of you guys are out there, you're arguing with this right now. Like, I do stuff, right? I do stuff. Even apart from God, I do stuff. Look, I think the heart of what he's trying to say is this. Apart from him, you can do nothing that has eternal value to it. You can do things that look shiny and pretty and whatever you do, all right? You're beautiful people. But here's the reality. We, apart from Jesus, we can't do anything that has eternal value behind it. But you could look at it the other way too. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And I'll tell you why. Because apart from him, we're dead. We're dead. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So truly, he's like, look, you wouldn't even be existing if it wasn't for me. I think it's safe to say that the truth This truth right here is foundational for all of our Christian growth. Listen, this is why this is important, because somebody in here needs to just get back to the foundational Christian growth. I get that there's mature believers in here. I get that. And I get that there's some people that are seeking in here that that have never even encountered the Lord. And I get that there's some kind of maybe new believers in this room. But all of us, whether you're just seeking or you're a brand new believer or you're a mature believer, all of us need to come full circle at times and realize that Jesus is our foundation above all things. That we're supposed to be connected. And, and, and there's times as a mature believer that I'm disconnecting myself from the vine. And I would contend that we're probably others out there that are doing that as well. I think it's safe to say that when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, this is foundational. And we would all nod our heads and we would say, yeah, yeah, amen, amen to that. Like, apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of us would say, yeah, and, and in Christ, you know, we can do all things. And, and for some reason, we'd all nod our heads in agreement. We'd say foundational truth. Yet, it's usually this truth that's the first one that we practically abandon. It's the first one that we practically, 
practically abandoned. You say, how, how does that look? I'd say, just look at your days. Just look at your days. What are your days consumed with? What are your days invested in? Are you dwelling? Look, some of y'all are good at dwelling in, in Jesus. I know that. But what are you dwelling in? I, I need you to hear this, church. We were created to abide in Jesus. Amen. We were created to it. Genesis chapter one, God creates Adam and Eve and he creates them to abide in him. Jesus, God, in that God was the life-giving source to them. And then in Genesis chapter three, they traded the vine of God to be the vine themselves. They said, we don't need your nutrients so much. We want your knowledge so that we can have it so that we can be the vine. Remember? I mean, this was the whole lie. This was the whole deception that they were gonna know and see what God knows and sees. And they already did because they were connected to the vine. But they traded it for the lie that they could somehow be the vine. And I believe that that same principle holds true today, that the enemy wants you to believe that somehow you could be the vine. You don't have to be the branch. And so they abandoned it to be their own vine. And so it was, is, and still is the heartbeat of God for us to be the branches that abide in him. And so there's two things that I wanna attack today. How do we abide? How do we abide? And there's two things. Number one, it takes daily, somebody say daily. Daily. Correction. Connection, sorry. (laughs) And correction. I'm just saying, that was prophecy. Somebody needs to correct it out there. It takes daily, somebody said correction. Did he misspell that? It takes daily connection. Number two, it takes daily, somebody say daily. Dependence. There's a connection piece and a dependence piece that we need to get to. When I say daily connection, I'm talking abiding in Jesus, first of all, means that there's a life-giving. Listen to what I'm saying. There's not a life-sapping. In other words, it's sapping the life out of you. There's a life-giving connection to him. In that daily connection, there is a thing called conscious awareness. Let me say conscious awareness. Oh, church, I'm going to speak to this. I was, I was listening to Bill Johnson on this. It was so good. He said there's this thing called conscious awareness, that we have to be consciously aware that God is with us at all times, that we've got to be consciously aware that God is with us at, at, at all times. Now, listen, you're like, well, what, is, what do you mean conscious awareness? You ever been in a relationship? I know you have because there's married folk out there, all right? You ever been in a relationship where both of you are in the same room and somebody's talking and the other person's zoned out and you go, I just feel like I'm the only person in this room right now? I feel like nobody's listening to me. Do you even know that I'm here? Do you know that I'm here? I know it's true because some of you ladies are hitting your husbands right now. Some of you husbands are like, what did he say? I didn't, didn't catch that. <laughs> well, you're in the same room, but you're not consciously aware that there's somebody else in that room with you. You know that you, saw, you thought you saw somebody walk in and that person's talking to you and that person's trying to have a connection with you, but you are so zoned into your own thing that the other person that's talking is basically like, look, you don't even know that I'm here. I'm talking to you right now. You're not even acknowledging that I'm here. We do that in our relationships. And I think that it's easy for us to forget that God is with us all the time. We don't have a conscious awareness sometimes that he's with us all the time. There's a word that we use in church life called omnipresent. Jesus is everywhere, right? It's not like, oh, Jesus is in Africa this week, so he can't be here today, right? He's omnipresent. He means he's everywhere. He's got the ability to be everywhere at one time. He's everywhere. And I mean, sometimes we use this to scare our kids, like, Jesus is watching you, and so am I, right? And I'm just telling you, man, we use, like, Jesus is watching you. 
Listen, adults, Jesus is watching you because he's omnipresent. And we are consciously aware that he, has to, he is with us all the time. Uh, Bill Johnson goes on, he uses an analogy. I wanna share this, this story. He said, imagine something. Someone comes to you and says, do you wanna make a million dollars? How many would say yes to that? You wanna make a million dollars? You liars, every hand will be up in this place. Most of us would be like, yes, I wanna make a million dollars. And so the guy comes up and says, so here's the deal. I've got this ring. I've got this ring and it's worth $10 million. And if you keep this ring for 30 days and keep it safe, but it's gotta be on your person, you've gotta carry it on you for 30 days. And if you keep this ring for 30 days, I'm gonna give you a million dollars. But here's the deal. If you lose it, then you've gotta pay me for the full price of the ring, right? How many of you guys would take that deal? Right? Pretty much everybody in this room, you would, keep, you, you would say, absolutely, you keep it and take care of it. You get a million dollars, 30 days, put a ring in my pocket. Absolutely, right? I'll give you a million dollars. We would take that challenge on. But let me just tell you what our life would look like for those 30 days. We would be consciously aware, that I, oh, there it is, there it is, right? Consciously aware that we've got that ring. Every couple seconds, every couple steps, be like, million dollars right there, man, million dollars. We would be consciously aware. Some of y'all would go Lord of the Rings and wear it around your neck. My precious right? Some of y'all, like somebody reaches in, oh, is that your ring? Ah, you bite their finger off. Why? Because you, you, that ring, man, that's your, ah, my, my value. You're walking around. Why? Because you're consciously aware that that ring is in your pocket. Why? Because you're consciously aware that that ring has value to it. That's going to get in your life. That, that if you hold on to, it, it's going to be in your life. You, you see church, your awareness, when you see value to something, your awareness goes sky high. You'd feel in your pocket constantly, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. For 30 days, you'd be consciously aware because you know that ring is worth a million dollars to you if you hold on to it. When you're looking at your conscious awareness of how you see Jesus in your life, if you're aware of that conscious awareness of how you see Jesus in your life, that can be a good indication, a good litmus test of how much value you see in him in your life. Because if a ring that's worth a million dollars is gonna make me go like this for 30 days, somebody's gonna think I got issues, right? Imagine the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that has infinite value. Conscious awareness is important. And so when Jesus says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart for apart from me, you can do nothing. He means, listen, if I'm connected to you and you're connected to me and you see the value that fruit will be a natural thing that happens in your life. If we value the fruit bearing in our lives, it will stem from a daily connection with him. I wanna share too that I think it's important to know that um, it doesn't just happen because you try to make it happen, right? You don't produce fruit because you, you know, the branch doesn't squeeze really hard and you know, fruit comes out. 
Like you, you, you can sit there and you can walk through an orchard. I like, I, like, I like this. You could walk through an orchard and you'll never, if you could hear what the branches were saying, there's never a branch that's going, you know what? I'm gonna fight and I'm gonna claim fruit in my life today, right? I know you've got it and you've got it, but I want it today. I'm gonna fight and claim it today, right? You're never gonna see branches warring with one another trying to claim their fruit. Why? Because the fruit comes from one source. The fruit comes from the vine, it's all on the vine to do it. It's not on you. It's not on you to do it. If you stay connected, church, grapes are a natural thing that will happen in your life. Fruit is a natural thing that will happen in your life. This morning I went out and I cut off a branch from one of our rose bushes. I love these rose bushes. Um, I'm not really a flower person, but I, I love that it's just kind of drab sometimes around the church, you know, not a lot of flowers and whatnot. So I love these things. And I cut this off and, and I wanted to use it to show you something. Even though there's these beautiful flowers on here now, give it a week, will this still look beautiful? No, no matter what. I could set it on my desk every day and I could say, Lord, would you please make this beautiful today? God, would you please make this beautiful? I, I, man, I could tend to it. I could like put water on it. I could put essential oils on it, right? Whatever. I mean, come on. Somebody said they do all things. I, you do whatever you want to. And it's not going to make this rose clipping right here come back to life. The only thing that's going to make this rose clipping come back to life is if I were to go out there and I have the ability to graft it back in to the vine. That's it. Right now, this thing is dead in the water unless it's grafted back into the bush again. Amen, church? So no matter how beautiful it looks, there's many of us out there, and we're in that same boat. Like, we, we're going to church. Church attendance has been awesome. I've come three Sundays out of four. It's been good, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in Bible studies, and I'm, I'm reading more, and, and I'm pressing in, and whatever it is that we're doing. And we're thinking, like, somehow me doing that is going to make it look beautiful and add fruit. And yet, that attendance and all those things that are great, we want you here. We want you to read your Bible. We want you to pray. All of those things are not going to produce fruit in your life if you're not abiding in him. He's the foundation of all of it. And I've, I've, and you probably have too. I've met people who are so invested in these various things that are ministry oriented. But when you go to the root and you say, what's your foundation for doing those things? They're not abiding in Jesus. They're not dwelling in Jesus. They're not staying in Jesus. We need a conscious awareness of what God's doing let me share something else with you that I think is important when we talk about conscious awareness. We all want a visitation from the Lord. We do. We all want God to come. We pray in the presence of God. We ask, man, God, would you just come in your fullness? We have great expectancy. We want God to come in his fullness. And while all those things that we're praying are good, I believe God wants us to shift our mentality, church. Listen, I believe God wants us to shift our mentality. The Lord's desire is not a visitation. Rather, he seeks habitation. Amen? The Lord's not after visitation. God doesn't want visitation rights with us. God wants habitation. Visitation means he comes in, he visits, and he's gone. That's, that's not what you'll read about New Testament. God's not looking to come in and have a visitation moment with you. God is looking for habitation. Habitation means that he lives in your habitat, you live in his, amen? Habitation means that we're not having God come in for a moment and then leave. Habitation means that we have God come in and he's there to stay. 
This is what we're called to. God is calling us to habitation. My habitat is where I live. My habitat is where I thrive. One of the greatest promises of the Lord is found in 2 Corinthians 6.16. I will dwell in them. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And his desire for us his kids, to make his presence the place of habitation. He says in Psalm 27, 4, J David praises, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that which I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He wants to dwell. He wants to abide in the house of the Lord all the days of his life, nothing else. And it comes from abiding. To be in Christ, church, means to have a new legal standing and a new relational orientation. I heard this quote, we do not solely want to be made right with God. That's not our only goal. We do not solely want to be made right with God. We also want to be with God. And I think some of us, men, I know in my own life, when I try to become the vine, I'm, I've settled in my heart, like, I'm good, God, that I'm made right with you. <laughs> like, I don't just want to be made right with you. I want to be with you. Absolutely, I want to be with you. Real quickly, the second thing is just simply dependence. So we've got connection, or for those that need correction, correction, okay? And then we've got dependence, daily dependence, daily dependence. Abiding means dependence. The branch is dependent on the vine. Hear me out. The branch is dependent on the vine. The vine is not dependent on the branch. And I think there's a lot of times where I struggle with that. Let me tell you something. Jesus is self-sufficient. Amen? He's all-sufficient. He's self-deficient. Jesus doesn't need me, but man, Jesus wants me. Have you ever wanted to be wanted? This is your moment. There's a difference between being needed and wanted. When you're needed, that's great. Like, I'm needed, I'm needed. But when you're wanted and you're desired, that's a whole different thing. The vine doesn't need anything. God is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient. He can do all things. He doesn't need anything. But he wants us. He wants the branches. He wants us to be a part of it. This is, this is critical for us. He is not dependent upon us, but we are all in dependent upon him. All in. And why is this so important? Because the role of the vine is to hold the branch in place. That's what the vine does. The, 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 the vine holds the branch in place so that the fruit can come. It strengthens the branch. It gives the branch life. That's what the role of the vine does. Jesus is coming in to show us that we need to be strengthened by him. Our dependence counts on it. Why is it important for us, though? Because we war against dependence. Because in our very DNA, in our very nature, in our very sin nature, we want to be independent people. We want to find our own ways to do our own things. And you guys heard us say this earlier, but when you try to do it in your own way, in the Christian life, it becomes exhausting. And so I asked you earlier, how many of you guys are exhausted at times trying to live this Christian life and man, hands just all over? We're not just connected, but we're dependent upon him. And so how... How do, we, how do we invest ourselves in dependence upon him? He tells us, listen, if you abide in me and my words, somebody say words, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
not only is, are, are we connected with Jesus, abiding in him, but we're allowing his words, we're allowing his word to abide in us, change us. Man, we were praying between services, and, and one of the things that was said was not just being hearers of the word, but doers of the word. It's time to do it. Amen? It's time to do it. Like, like he literally, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Like, I'm, I'm trying to fathom that. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And I'm like, whoa. So there's something happening because I've been asking a lot. I've been asking a lot. And so just based on this, there's two things. I've been asking a lot. Either I'm not abiding in him or his words are not abiding in me. Amen? I mean, if we're just looking at the crux of it here, he says, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you. I think that we all understand this principle. Again, I think we all get it. But I'm telling you, one of the things that I contend with a lot in my own life as well, as I say, what's the, what's the number one thing to, to believers, all believers, what's the number one thing that you contend with in your life with Christ? Like, what is the biggest struggle that you have? And I bet you, again, eight out of 10 hands go up and say, read my Bible consistently. We want miracles, and we want signs and wonders, and we want God to move, and we want the presence of God. And the biggest thing that we're struggling with is just being consistent in his word. Amen, church? I'm not throwing stones. I'm simply saying that, like, that for myself, I want God to move powerfully. And you know, I feel like sometimes I'm on my knees, I'm like, God, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you bring healing here? Would you be healing? And I feel like sometimes God's answers are, would you just, would you just get in my word? <laughs> would you just abide in me and let my words abide in you? I told you I've got it. And I just, I feel like this dependence thing is, is wars, wars in our hearts. We need connection daily. We need dependence daily. But there's one other thing I wanted to share real quickly. Two minutes. Pruning. Somebody say pruning. How many guys like to prune out there? How many like to cut things? Come on now. You, there's some, come on. There's some people out there like cutting. Look, I'm telling you right now, that pruning that we like to do is because we like to shape things the way we like it. I, I like pruning. I like to go out to our trees. I like to shape it. I've got this thing in my, my mind, this image that I want to make this thing into. And so I like to prune because I can shape it into my image. Let me tell you something. God wants to prune so that he can shape you into his image. Amen? L listen to this, church. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. I'm just going to tell you right now, the pruning process in God is hard. Amen? Come on. The pruning process in God is hard. There's some people that out of all the things that was said today, you're good with dependence, you're good with connection, the pruning thing, you're done. You've checked out, right? Because it's the pruning, prun the, the definition of pruning means to cut, the definition of pruning means to cut. The branches are being cared for, though, and pruned to make maximally more fruit in that branch, in that life. So I want you to hear me say this. There are things in your life that simply need to be pruned so that more fruit can happen. I think there are people in here today, like myself at times, where I'm like, God, I've been, like, I've been walking in faith, Lord. I've been faithful to you. Like, I've been really digging into faith. Why are you cutting me, man? Right? Why are you pruning me? He's like, I'm pruning you because I want more faith. I'm like, oh, okay. Or some of you guys are over here and you go, man, I put my hope in God. I put my trust in God. I put my all into God. My hope is in him. Why are you cutting me? And he goes, I'm pruning you so that hope will get even more in your life. 
You see, he's pruning us in things that are good. He says every branch that's bearing fruit, he prunes those. Well, why would he prune branches that are bearing fruit? Because he wants to see an increase. He's, he don't want your faith to stay here. He wants to go here. He didn't want your hope to stay here. He wants you to go here. He didn't want your love to stay here. He wants you to go here. Let me tell you something right now. If you're being pruned right now, you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot. Because let me tell you something. God cuts those he loves. <laughs> That's the Aaron version of Hebrews 12, 6, all right? <laughs> Some, somebody's going to tweet, tweet that. God cuts those he loves, says Aaron, and then I'm going to get blasted on Facebook or something. Look at Hebrews 12. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't give up when he cuts you or corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one he accepts as a child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. And whoever heard of a child that is never disciplined by his father, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, listen to this, if he doesn't prune you, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. God's discipline, verse 10, is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Come on, pause, amen? It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest. Look, afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest. More, more, more. A peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. This is what we're after. We, we are after abiding in God, connected, staying put in Jesus through connection daily. Somebody say daily. daily. Through dependence daily. Somebody say daily. daily. Where our focus is lasered in on him through the word and devotion and all those things, through surrendered life. We are connecting with him. We are abiding in him. He's pruning us. Fruit is being produced. Let me say this. If fruit's not happening, then check to make sure you're still connected to the body. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.